going to look in verse number verse number one, and uh, I see the time on the clock this morning. I'm going to be very simple in my preaching today. After after being under the weather for two and a half weeks, my mind and my body's just not quite up to par yet. So I don't have a whole lot of energy in me right now to preach. So we're going to keep it very simple. And as we close up this particular uh, month concerning missions, I want us to look here in John 6. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And just follow along with me this morning. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a, take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five Bartolos, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. Father, I pray this morning that you bless your reading of your word. Blessed is to preach it. Help me, Father, Lord, to speak truth. And help me, Lord, to say some things that are relevant to the task at hand. Lord, I pray that you'll use me this morning. May your word fall on ears that are open and hearts that are ready to receive it. And may you do something for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Peyton Mail, would you come up here, please? Just come and sit on the front row, okay? Bring your Bible with you. In 2012, I was pastoring a small church up in Newmarket. And um, we, we were, the church that I was at before I got there had never, had never supported missionaries. And... We established, we started supporting them. I started having them come in and we started picking them up for support. 
and our missions budget was set out of the general fund. Just sit on the front row, okay? And so we were doing what we could to support missionaries. And um, I just began to have a desire. I began to look into this whole faith promise giving thing and, and uh, seeing it and uh, looking at the scriptures of how the scriptures taught it. And I reached out to Don Sisk about it. And I sent him an email one day, and, and I said, Mr. Sisk, you, you don't know who I am. I said, I'm just a young pastor trying to help my church support missions. And uh, I said, I, I, really want, I really want us to start doing it through Faith Promise. And I, I asked, I said, could you please give me some advice on how to do that? Well, I got a phone call that afternoon from Don Sisk. And he it scared me, to be honest with you. I would let it go to voicemail. It scared me. I'm just being honest. And uh, he left me a voicemail. And he was out walking. And uh, he said, Pastor Clemens, I got your email. And uh, he happened to be in Chattanooga at the time. And he said, I would, uh, he says, I tell you what, this was like May. He says, I've got a week in July where I'm free. I would love to come to your church and help you get it started. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm just wanting to learn how to do it. I don't know that I'm ready to do it in less than two months. And I called him, and we were just talked about it, and, and uh, he shared with me some things, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, there's no better person to help me to learn how to do it than him. So he came, and, and uh, he and Miss Virginia, and uh, for some odd reason, they fell in love with my, my family, and uh, we had them over to the house, and they were just so kind and gracious to us. And uh, I, I remember we, we had our conference on a, uh, my first missions conference. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we wrapped up on Sunday because he had to get back on Sunday night. Uh, for a doctor's appointment on Monday. And uh, he came, he had fallen that week as well and was bruised up pretty bad. And so, so kind and gracious. We took up our faith promise commitments that morning and uh, he told me, he says, I, I want you to take them and I want you to read them out to the church what people have offered to give. And I remember I, I took the first one out of the basket and I, I read it. And I did the math in my head. And Brian, that first commitment was more than the whole church was given the missions already for the entire year. One commitment. And I just started bawling. I just started crying. And I was just blown away by what our church was able to do. And I have been so thankful to our church this past year that our giving has increased. I mean, we're, our giving increased $47,000 in one year. And I thank, the God, I thank God for that, and I thank you for that. It was through that meeting with Don Sisk that he was here one month later, and he invited me to come to meet Pastor Lewis and meet the Somerville Church. Missions, missions brought me to Somerville Baptist. 
is such a vital thing. Everything in our life teaches us to be concerned about ourselves. It teaches us to take care of what is ours, the needs that we have. Everything in life teaches us that. Our culture teaches us that. And most of our life we're consumed throughout the week, we're consumed on our own needs and things. The only thing that really we carry with us to eternity is how we invest in reaching people with the gospel. Nothing else matters when it comes to eternity. What are we doing to reach people with Jesus Christ? And for us to do that well, we always have to think outside of ourselves. We have to put ourselves out of our comfort zone if we're going to share the gospel. There's nothing comforting in any of us. None of us are so charismatic in our personality that it's easy for us to stand for Jesus Christ. But there's something spiritual in us that empowers us to be able to do that. Where we put ourselves to the place where, God, I can't do this, but your spirit said, you, you said you're giving us the spirit to help us do that. And so everything in me says run, but the spirit of God tells me to go. And when we put ourselves aside and we allow God to use us, then we can share the gospel with people and see them saved. But we can also do that in, in how we support other ministries financially. And that is what this month is about. How important, how important is the gospel? How important is it to reach our generation? What happened a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, that happened, that's, that's not our generation. This is our watch. The way the world looks like in the future for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the generations that follow us if we tarry, we have a say in it today. And we have to accept that responsibility. And I wanted us to go to John chapter 6 today because it wipes out any excuse that God could never use me. God, I, I, don't, I don't have but very little. Come here. But what if I, what, what if I told you that this little boy who doesn't have a job, do you have a job? Do you buy groceries? Do you cook? Eggs. What if I told you this little boy has within himself the ability to be used of God to feed 15 to 20,000 people? Because that's what we find in John chapter 6. 
we see the feeding of the 5,000. That's 5,000 men. That's not counting the women and the children who are there. I want you to do something for me, okay? You got your Bible. I want you to sit in that chair right there. I want everybody to be looking at you. <laughs> okay. You're my object lesson for today. All right? Man, you're a good young man. Proud of you. Sit right there. Bible open. John chapter 6. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, in the, in the beginning of this chapter, Jesus and his disciples are looking to get away for a little while. It says in verse 2, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. They, they saw Jesus as the great miracle worker. They didn't yet see him as the Savior. And everywhere he went, he was followed by a great multitude of people. Now, I'm like everyone else. We all get tired and we all get weary and sometimes we just want to get away. Even when Jesus is trying to get away, he still sees people with the right eyes. He didn't see them as trouble. We are trained to see people as trouble. We are very quick to find faults with people. We are very quick to allow people to get on our nerves as if we never get on anyone's nerves. We're very quick to be judgmental toward people. And to just want people to go away. And even the disciples, they're at a time where they're ministry, they're weary. And they're like, Jesus, send them away. And Jesus looks at them. And he saw a need in their life. And he says, I can't send them away. He saw not only empty stomachs, but he saw empty hearts. He couldn't send them away because they hadn't ate anything in a while. And he just, couldn't, he just couldn't push them off and say, okay, you go fend for yourself, take care of yourself. He had to meet a need. He saw a need and he just could not let it go. He could not ignore it. We like to ignore it. We like to pretend it's not there. We like to go to bed at night thinking the world is okay. And it's not okay. We like to pretend that if we can just stay in our own little box, in our own little sheltered life, that everything is all right. There are people committing suicide. There are people that are turning to, to all kinds of different things, trying to fill a void in their life because no one has given them Jesus. And we have Jesus. But as long as we're not there, it doesn't affect us. The disciples are like, go, send them away. Jesus says, I can't send them away. And then he asked them a question. He, he spoke to Philip and he, he says, Philip, he says, well, how, how can we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip 
he said this in verse 6. This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip's answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Philip was looking at his budget. His budget said, I can't do it. That's what it... I, I, Jesus, I'm looking over our finances. We can't possibly take care of this many people. But the verse said before it, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Can I share this with you? Before the young lad ever showed up, Jesus knew where he was. Jesus knew that young lad had everything that he needed. Philip says, Jesus is not in the budget. We don't have the finances for it. We can't do it. Well, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, well, I found, a, I found a boy, I found a lad here. He has five barley loaves and two small fishes. Guess what? You don't even have to cook it. Five loaves of bread and some, uh, what is that? What's those frozen fish fillets? <laughs> Not fish sticks, those are worse. I can't remember what that guy is. It's that guy in that raincoat, that fish, that yeah, that guy, yeah. So here he is. He's got his box of that guy's fish and five barley loaves. I don't know what he's doing with it. The Bible doesn't tell us what he's doing it. I've heard several messages on, you know, what God does with a little boy's lunch. If that was that little boy's lunch, he's eating pretty good. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's carrying it to somebody else. I, 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 don't, I don't know what he's doing. But Andrew brings him to Jesus, and he says, I've got, uh, I've got, this, I've got this boy here, and uh, he's got five barley loaves and two small fishes. I don't know what you can do with that, but that's what we have. You know what Jesus says? That's enough. That's all I need. That's all I need. Now, do you know, do you know this, Peyton? The only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels is this one right here. It's the only one mentioned in all four. Yeah, wow. And it has to do with a young boy that everyone else would overlook and think, one, I don't know if God could ever use you. Two, you don't have much for God to use. When you consider there are approaching 8 billion people in the world and most have never heard about Jesus Christ. What, what could we possibly do to reach all those people? Well, I don't have much, but I got this right here. What can you do with it? Now, that little boy had a choice. He could have went home with his, he could have went home with his five barley loaves and two fish and said, no, I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving it up. I got bigger plans with this. 
my girlfriend's family's coming over for dinner. I need to impress her. He didn't do that. He offered it to Jesus. Sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times, ch children teach us more than we ever know as adults. Sure. You want to take care of those people, Jesus? It's not much, but here, use it. Read with me. Jesus said, make the men sit down. The men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves in verse 11. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise, the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Jesus took it, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to them. And the disciples took his little lunch and he just went out. I don't know how God did it, that's why it's a miracle. And they just, they had more than they ever thought they had. You know, you, you, read, about, you read about the woman who was, had, she was, had no more living. She was ready to die. And God sent Elijah there to fill her cruise full of oil. I think of Moses, when Moses in Exodus, when God was sending him to the people of Israel, and he's saying, who am I? And he's offering all these excuses. God says, what's that in your hand? And it's his rod. And he takes that rod, and God does a miracle with it just to prove that God can take whatever you have and do something amazing with it. They give it. He gives it, and he just sits there. He watches. He watches them all get their food, and then everybody's full, and they're laid back on a rock or something, and their belly's pooched out a little bit. Somebody, some people's burping, you know. And, I mean, everybody is now full. Everybody's refreshed. Jesus says, take a basket and y'all go around and collect all the leftovers. And how many leftovers did they have? The next verse says they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. Are you with me? I don't know what they did with those leftovers. I don't know, but I like to think this. I like to think that they took it to that little boy. And said... Do you think you can carry these 12 baskets home to your mom? And I imagine his eyes got really big and said, that's more than what I had when I started. Don't ever let somebody tell you God can't use you. No matter what little things you have to offer, God can do big things with it. And I'm going to close with this. Just when I'd started that missions program in our church, we were in a difficult place financially. 
and uh, we were our, just our funds wasn't all there. And I was doing everything I could to to pastor the church. I was giving up more work to spend more time pastoring the church. And we just had the twins, so we got three kids in diapers now, four little boys. And that was our most difficult Christmas. And there was a missionary family that we had supported who had just lost a daughter. She was, I don't know if she was quite a teenager, but they found her one day and she had passed away. And I remember, I remember Peyton, the Lord was just burdening my heart to send something to that missionary, just to be an encouragement to him. And I remember arguing with the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have anything for my own kids. I said, it's Christmas time. I said, I just can't do that. It's not in the budget, Lord. It's just not in the budget. I just can't do it. And the Lord stayed on me and on me and on me. Christy and the kids were gone somewhere. It was just me at the house. And the Lord just stayed on me. And finally, I just, I just gave in. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. It was just $50, Peyton. It was only $50. $50 at Christmas time is a lot of money. It was just $50. And I wrote a check and put it in an envelope and stamped. And right after I did that, you know what happened? I got a phone call. And it was from my next door neighbor. And my next door neighbor called, Pastor Ricky just wanted to see if you were home. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm here. She says, well, Paul's going to come over and see you. Paul came next door. They lived in this big 10,000 square foot house. I always like to tell people, y'all know where the 10,000 square foot house is? They say, yeah, is that your house? I said, no, we're the little house right beside it. (laughs) Little 1,400 foot house. Yeah. And... Mr. Paul came to the door. He rang the doorbell, and I went to the door. And he says, I won't keep you, Pastor. Just wanted to be a blessing to you. His wife grew up in a concrete block house in the cotton field that was was behind our house. She grew up in a concrete house. Their family took care of the land. There were sharecroppers there. Somehow she'd worked her way through college, did really good in business, and she bought that house. She, 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 they built that house on that hill. And God had been really good to them. And he came by and he said, Pastor, I don't want to keep you. God's been really good to us this year, and we just wanted to be a blessing to you. And he gave me that card, and I opened it up, and it was a $400 check. God took $50. I gave God $50 and he gave me $400. God taught me a big lesson there. He can take your little and do something big with it. 
And when you walk out of there, I can't promise you this, BJ, I can't promise you that you're going to get that big of a return, that it's going to come back to you financially. But I am telling you this, if we lay up treasures in heaven, there, there will our heart be also. And I'm looking for something laid up when I get there that is far greater than what I'm leaving behind here. Amen? And God taught me a great lesson. Trust Him. Trust Him. And God can do extraordinary things with you. Peyton, come here. God can use you to do great things. Just think, that little boy is being preached about 2,000 years later. Think about that. Every Christian who gets saved reads his story. Because he says, yes, Lord, I'll give what I can. I'll give what I have. Y'all give Peyton a big hand. Let's stand to our feet, please. Let's bow our heads.